Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is AppSats Radio, help for partners after sexual betrayal. We talk about it here. Betrayal trauma. We are AppSats certified clinical partner specialists and coaches who have been trained to help navigate you through this crisis. There is nothing we won't talk about. So I've got Amy on the line. Amy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Well, I have a question about what um, healthy sexuality looks like when Mm. a sex addict is in recovery. One of the things we know about research and sex addicts is that they don't necessarily want sex with their own wife. And so to me, that says he's in really good recovery because he does want that with you. He has been two years sober. He has been in three facilities. And I suspect that's how he's wanting closeness with you. Oh, has she hit the nail on the head. And I am so glad that we are talking about sexuality today because it is a tough, tough topic. Um, Sexuality has been so compromised because compulsive sexual problematic behavior seems sexual in nature when in reality it is not, right? It is absolutely not about the sex. It is about the brain. It's about the compulsion. It's about it's about having done some brain damage that requires that he or she, whoever the addict is, increase his intensity or frequency of whatever he's doing. And, wow, that means it's not about your sex organ. Well, unless you want to include the brain as being part of that sex organ. And i got to tell you, it is really... It really compromises a woman's health to think that she has been betrayed sexually. So, of course, she would have some concern about getting back into that arena and deciding where their sexuality should be. Now, I maintain that you can absolutely get your sexual mojo back. But the truth of the matter is lots of things have to be in place to do that. I mean, you will have to have built the trust you need through communication first and foremost. Now, does that make sense to you that you would need to build that communication? Well, today we have specialist Bonnie Burns on, and her mission is to help couples re-engage in sexual intimacy after sexual addiction. And so she's going to talk about how does one feel less defeated? How do you take that next step forward? What's normal? the truth is that there is no normal anymore. You have to recreate what is normal for you. And to do that means that you have to be able to compromise and negotiate where you want to start. Just had a couple a couple days ago, a couple a couple of days ago who said 
they weren't having sex enough. He wanted sex, you know, a couple times a day in his, in his real world. They were having sex a couple times a month. Now, I had encouraged him to be honest. So I, I want to tell you that I don't think he would have said what he said, but I told him, I said, it is really important for you to be honest. Because your honesty is going to mean that we will really know what your needs are and how you feel. She said, you know, I was getting back into that arena. I was getting back to trusting again. And about a year ago, he divulged that he had two acting out partners. And so, of course, she couldn't trust that he would be safe to her sexually. And so he's done really, really good work. And he wouldn't have even brought up the issue of sexuality, but he had scored so high on that scale where you ask your clients on a scale of 1 to 10, how, do you, how would you rate the nature of your relationship? And he said a nine. He was really happy how things were going. And I said, wow, a nine, what would make it a 10? And with great hesitation, he did not want to say what would make it a 10. He didn't want to offend her. He didn't want to put pressure on her. So even though this is a man that would like to have sex twice a day, um, He knew that he needed to be partner sensitive. He knows the damage that he's done. So I'm impressed with that. Um, With great trepidation, he told us what he wanted. Um, And he understood why she would have so much reservation. So now what do you do with a couple like that? You know, he's had a year of good recovery. I mean, really good recovery. And yet she's been betrayed actually three times in her life. And she said, you know, the real issue is I don't think that I'll compare. I won't compare to his fantasies. I won't compare to the acting out partners. I'm scared. And I said, of course you are. Of course you would be. You're scared. And who wouldn't be who's been betrayed three times? Now. What I felt she needed to do was to find more joy in her own life. And what I mean by that is that I want her to really focus on herself and what she needs. Because when she does, she'll at least feel like she has some control over something, right? And that has nothing to do with sexuality. That has to do with self-care, and self-compassion. And so, very reason, she had to identify one thing she could do to, to feel more comfortable with herself. And she was able to say that what she needed to do was to listen to more music, that music made her happy. And when she listened to music, she got lost 
she got lost in a vibrational energy, if you will, that really reminded her that she could have happiness again. And actually, she ended the session saying, I feel like I can have happiness with or without him, which I was really pleased about. Because that's the truth. As a partner, it's not like we want you to stay in the marriage. It's not like we want you to divorce. But we do want you to have happiness no matter what. So I am wanting to ask you, how could you increase your happiness factor? What would you need to do? And that, you know, that can be anything. That can be building a treehouse. That can be going to a concert. That can be playing a musical instrument. That can be socializing with more friends. That can literally be anything. That's what you're in control of, right? You are in control of that. And we're always looking for things that we can control. Why? Because when you have things that you can control, your life feels more settled. And wow, that's something to live for, isn't it? When, you, when you're in that focused state of feeling like you're in more control, yeah. So what I would ask you is to please think about what is it that you need to do to feel like you are in more control and put more of that in your life. Focus more on you. Look for more happiness. And I cannot stress it enough. One of the things that I really believe is that if you increase your own happiness factor, you will feel better. How do I know? I just do. Have you ever read the book, Happiness for No Reason? That book is an amazing book to remind us that We can create our own joy no matter what trauma and drama we've been in. It's not a book about partner betrayal. It's not. It is a book about good mental health and happiness. Speaking of happiness, what do you read or do to find happiness? I mean, some people pet their puppy. Some people go for a run. Some people paint. What do you do? And do you have anything on your bucket list that you would like to strive for? Well, isn't that an interesting question? What would you like to plan in your future so that you can look forward to it? That's all about intentional self-care. All right. So we're going to talk sex today. Love that. And we're going to talk about trust. How do you build trust? And if truth be known, if you can't have trust in him, can you find trust in yourself? Right? I mean, do you know that you have good gut? Are you a person of integrity? You know, the four agreements say that you have to be impeccable with your word. Are you somebody that people can trust? When you say you'll do something, do you do it? 
I bet you do. You know, I hear so many partners that say, I don't know who this guy is that I married because I would never have done that. So that's what I'm going to ask you to, to ask yourself. Are you somebody that you could trust? And when you think about your gut, I'd like to ask you, what part of your gut has been right in your life? What have you done and experienced where you had that nagging feeling that something wasn't right and you acted on it and sure enough you were right? That's what I'm going to ask you. Because you have to cultivate that. You have, well, you don't have to, but you're listening to this podcast because you want to get healthier, right? The only way you can get healthier is if you work on things that will make you feel happier and whole. You know, that's why we're talking sexuality today, because that is so hard. That topic is so very hard to work through. And you may need a specialist. You know, at APSAC, we have a couple of ASECs. Now, that is A-A-S-E-C-T, and that stands for the American Association of Sex Educators and Counselors and Therapists. Um, They're not necessarily skilled in sex addiction or partner betrayal, but they can help you with your own personal feelings about your sexuality. And then again at APSAS, we have women who have devoted their lives to helping you with sexuality, whether it's with you or yourself and your coupleship. So I really want to welcome Bonnie Burns to our podcast. Bonnie, how are you? And you are on mute. She's laughing at herself right now. Yes, all right. Hi, Carol. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, well, we're happy to have you. And the truth of the matter is, you know, sex is such a sensitive subject. And so I'd like for you to share with our listening audience what made you decide to go into this field. Well, it actually started in childhood. Yeah, it actually started in childhood. Um, I was the kid on the playground that was helping all the other kids learn scientific information about sexual education. Okay, I'm going to actually stop you because you are very low on the volume scale. And so what you can do is just even not talk into your mic and talk to us, and let's see if we can't get this a little louder. All right, you hear me now? Perfect. All right. I love that that you had that mic right by your mouth, too. She's got a huge mic like a Yeti, and then she's got a beautiful headset with a mic. Continue, Bonnie. All right. So, yes, my my interest in sexual intimacy began early on with, with science. I loved the science of sexual intimacy. And then as my own marriage had some issues,
relationship thrived. Now, I'm not going to say that there's always a correlation there, but I do believe that a healthy marriage includes, you know, healthy, balanced sexual intimacy. Well, absolutely. So you love that uh, brain science of sexuality because we know that sex really, it doesn't originate in our organs, it's really a link and a connection between our body and our, our mind. Mm-hmm. And so how, what made you start dabbling in it? Because I know that this is an area that you have to get expertise. How did you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I started writing and researching in the early 2000s. I'm a Christian marriage author as well, mm-hmm. um, come from that, from that background. So it's more didactic, self-research. Self um, I also, we took a, I, I also had some schooling. I have a biology background mm-hmm. from Purdue University. Um, and that's where it all started. <laughs> okay. And and for those people that don't know, Purdue is in Indianapolis, well, Indiana, and it's about an hour from um, Indianapolis, which is where I live. And Purdue is one of the most technical schools in the world. They're great at engineering. They're great at science. Um, and so your school fed your real desire for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes, in this very vulnerable area. You know, you can have head knowledge about this, but until you, until you start um, speaking into people's lives and walking with them, then the heart knowledge can it thrives and it blooms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so... You said you wrote a book, or you've written books. Are any of them about sex? Well, my most recent one is to help women who struggle with climax. It's called Unlock Your Orgasm, and it was reviewed by a sex therapist. So I've had some input from from a psychologist. Uh, It's available on Amazon right now, Kindle and print. But my perspective is that a woman doesn't really know a lot about the inner workings of her genitalia. And we have such potential to reach climax just as much as the man um, from the, because of the way God develops us. And again, I come from that Christian background. But I explain all of that in the very beginning of the book. And then we explore other major mental blocks, you know, body image is huge, um, negative, having a negative body image about yourself. And for those who come from the Christian background, we've had a lot of negative messages. Mm-hmm. So I unpack some of those too. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I just finished with a, a woman's group and, you know, I was sharing with them that as women in general, we suffer from comparison syndrome. Mm -hmm. We're always comparing ourselves with other women. What's our weight like? What's our hair look like compared to them? And it it really is epidemic. And then you throw something like partner betrayal into it. I mean, 
I'm always yeah. pleased when a woman gets to see the acting out partner, the prostitute, the stripper, and so oftentimes they're not at all what the partner felt they would look like. You know, especially some of the women that men have been with are not necessarily attractive like a partner would believe them to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, comparison is, is a detriment, and, and so many women don't think they can ever compare, not only in terms of physicality, but also in terms of skill and ability. And that hits the nail on the head, doesn't it, when we're talking about mm-hmm. couple sexuality? Mm-hmm. Because we want to move it from that objectified mm-hmm. sexual activity into an intimate sexual experience. Yeah. Which, you know, we have to live in reality. Uh, we're, we're, we're wanting our sex addicts, pulling them out of fantasy to live in reality. And, and you know, as the wife, we need to re- live in reality too. And, and that means understanding just what you said, that those people we've been comparing ourselves to in our minds are far from perfect. And I would also say social media, uh, you know, TV, movies, all of the media negatively impacts us. And I like to suggest women take not just a 90-day sex fast, but a 90-day social media fast. Mm. kind of to uh, cleanse their brains, to try to get away from that comparison shopping. Well, you know, you set a sex fast, and, and truly, when I first started working with sex addicts and they had stopped their acting out, it was advisable to ask them to dim down their brains by not having sex for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever whatever we determined was necessary, with their permission, of course. And I would always talk with the partners who said, you know, once again, I'm being punished because he has to alter his behavior. Everything about my life is different now. And and they would begrudgingly help him with that, but they were actually resentful because it was one more thing that was different. That being said, when it was time to have sex again, there were a lot of women that just felt too unsafe to proceed forward. And so when you said a sex fast, can you tell our listening audience a little bit about that? Sure. Just as you mentioned, it's, it's the dimming down of the fog of addiction, um, of that dopamine, that high levels of dopamine that he's been living at, mm-hmm. it helps to reset his brain to the normal level. Mm-hmm. And there is no arousal. He shouldn't uh, engage in touching that will cause him arousal that will light up his brain again. So it helps him detox and to come down to normal levels. And during that time, I suggest building your friendship Mm. because friendship is the key to intimate sexual intimacy or intimate sexual experience between you and your husband. Um, And that can be, I mean, if you're in a place where you can do check-ins, emotional check-ins, you can do those types of things. But 
I like to suggest types of recreation together where you can take walks side by side. And if you have children, you could go to the playground and, and just hang out. It doesn't always have to be some deep, intense conversation. Just being present with each other um, is, is a great way to start to build that friendship and to create a whole new sexual intimacy for the two of you. Okay, and so I would agree with you. Now, for our listening audience, what we know is that when discovery has occurred, you know, there's a whole process. There's a process to get him healthy again. Uh, he's got recovery tools to manage. He's, you may need a disclosure and all the things that come with that. But when the coupleship can come back together, I believe Bonnie's suggesting that's when you look at how can you add a friendship ingredient in a safe way to the relationship despite the fact that you're reeling from all that pain and hurt and anger. Is that what you're suggesting, Bonnie? Absolutely, yes, yes. Um, I I think that it seems to me as I work with women that recreation and doing things outside of the house are very safe, but only she can make that choice. Only she knows what's safe for her. So I do throw that ball back into her court, but it's, it's something to think about. Well, yes, and then you mentioned very safe activities, like taking a walk together. We're not saying that you have to hold his hand, although some partners choose to, but there's, this is a no-pressure zone. You're looking for ways to be together that feel compatible that you would do with another friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about that because I believe that when a partner gets entrenched, in her anger, her fear, and she doesn't work at working out of it, it can seal their fate as a couple. Mm-hmm. So you talked about his, you know what, when you said that, I thought you were going to say she needed a sex fast. <laughs> that was not your intention, was it? No, no, not at all. No, it's it's totally to it's to release his brain. Uh-huh. But she's of course a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well, and then I think it's so important for her to figure out how to physicalize some of that sexual energy that she used to have that she may not be able to exert sexually. I mean, I know masturbation, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of differing opinions about masturbation. As a CSAT, um, I was told and trained to be porn neutral and to not promote masturbation, but to accept it and not discourage it. And after I got about five years under my belt, I said to myself, I cannot do that. I am not porn neutral. I mean, I I probably was porn neutral when I got into the business. It wasn't something I had to do, but I, you know, I'm like, whatever the couple enjoys together, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not porn neutral now. I really feel like it teaches people to objectify men and women. 
And so that's my bias. That being said, I was trained that masturbation was okay. It was a way to discover your body and that you could have that experience and that it wasn't shameful. And although I agree with that ideal, I see two things happening with that, and I'd love to hear your feeling about that. One is that I've never known a man to masturbate and not think of other women. And so if we are really working on his relational brain, we want him to take a permanent um, masturbation hiatus. I said permanent, even though hiatus sounds like it's part of the time, um, because an addict cannot go back to fantasizing and objectifying even after he's in good recovery if he's touching his penis. Now, I also know that there may be some couples that can. There may be some men that can. Um, And understandably, I also think women fantasize about other people when they're masturbating. You know, maybe it's an old boyfriend. Maybe it's an actor. Maybe it's um, something they've seen in pornography. And so I just think for a wholehearted relationship, you don't want to complicate your relationship by allowing other behaviors to come into it. Now, asex would kill me, you know, because, again, touching your body should not be a bad thing at all. Um, what do you think? I'll throw this to you, and feel free well, to disagree with me. Oh, well, no, I actually agree with you in that a committed long-term relationship, I think all sexual energy needs to be exerted towards each other. Mm-hmm. And um, However, where I will give a slight disclaimer is okay. that if a woman is having, this is outside of, sexual addiction, if a, if a wife is having a hard time figuring out how to reach the ultimate moment with her husband, sometimes some self-exploration helps her figure out, as you said, she's figuring out her body. She's figuring out what feels good, how, and then she can in turn take that and educate her husband. Well, I would agree with that, too, but that almost sounds like sensate-focused um, learning. You know, where mm-hmm. they're not necessarily thinking about anybody else, but they're thinking about where where does that feel good? How much pressure? How much intensity? What do I need to be doing? And then when she figures it out, like you said, she can share that with her husband so that they can have better sex together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I love sensei-focused. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. all about, same focused on your body. And let's mm-hmm. face it, in normal sex, it is hard to do that. You know, you're having sex and you're thinking about your laundry, the dishes, your grocery list. I mean, it's very difficult to turn off that mind and focus in on him. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I like to call that, self. well, you're focusing on him, but then also focusing on the touch you're receiving, and I like to call it body awareness, Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's an introspective thinking about what's happening, what's happening in this present moment, which is really great for our our husbands with the addiction because they need to stay really present. So it's a good skill for him to learn too. But for a woman, it quiets her busy mind, mm-hmm. so busy, and it brings you into the present so that you can focus on those feelings. Well, and I'm sure as you've been educated and, and researched this, from day one, I've been trained to believe that open-eyed sex is truly the healthiest, whether you're an addict or you're a couple that has never experienced infidelity. It helps you to focus on your partner and, and give to him or her, and then he can see how you're receiving it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love lights on or a soft candle or a scarf over the lamp, but enough lighting that you can look into each other's eyes. And the the left eye, isn't it, Carol? Yes, it is. (laughs) Bonnie came to my IRCAM training, which is early recovery couples empathy model work. And um, we did a lot of talking about couples because well, I'm sure you've seen this too. I mean, some women, when they have found out about discovery, that sex life is over. Mm-hmm. And other women, out of fear and insecurity, bump up their sexuality because they think that his infidelity was about sex. And you know, that might have been 20% true, but the real thing was his infidelity was about a behavior he couldn't stop until he knew better. Once he's got the tools, he knows better. And so that's a huge continuum from having more sex because you've been cheated on versus shutting that door because you don't ever want to get hurt again. Now, how do you help partners when they feel defeated? I I give them permission first to grieve their sexuality. And I think a lot of the partners don't realize that you do have a sexual identity. And it, it's a deep core part of you that has been, you know, traumatized, has been exploited, um, hasn't been respected. So I give her that space to grieve and permission. And some of, some of my clients have never even thought about grieving that part of their life before. So we talk about the grief, and then I give her permission to think about what she really wants in the bedroom. Mm. And and she, of course, has to be in a place of safety. But if she can start to think about what she doesn't want, then we can reframe that into some positives, into what she does want. I don't want him to say this. Well, what do you want him to say? Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of, we kind of work into reengaging. Okay. And so I want to ask you a, a kind of a technical question. What do you do for a partner to encourage her to grieve both the sexual loss and just the partner betrayal in general? You know, um, as, as a Christian, I grieve, a lot of my clients come with anger, mm-hmm. and they're not used to that. 
because in, in the Christian culture, women aren't always given permission to be angry. So we explore her anger, give her, and it's okay to have it. But then I send her to the book of Lamentations, which is a lot about crying out to God and not being real happy with him. Mm-hmm. So we go through that. Um, I have her write out her losses and, and, we pr- and pray about it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say are the typical losses that a woman feels when she's experienced partner betrayal? Mm. It just really depends on the woman, but you said typical. So a loss of, of partnership, a loss of emotional safety, um, and that's huge she's, because she's got to be given the opportunity to rebuild trust in him so that she can be vulnerable again. So um, understanding her emotions and how she can put some boundaries into place. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I always say that one size does not fit all, but when women are really, really sad, if you can peel that sadness away, you get anger. Mm-hmm. She's really angry. Likewise, when a man is really angry, if you peel it away, he's very sad. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think underneath there, too, is a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear she wasn't good enough. A lot of those fears of comparison again, fears that they may never have what she wanted them to have. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, if a woman just cuts off her own sexuality and she just has lost all sexual drive, what do you tell her? I... You know, this is going to sound, I don't care what it sounds like, I'll tell you. Um, If she cuts off her own sex drive and she feels that she's disconnected from it, I try to explain to her that sex is for her too, and our sexuality is completely different from a man's. Hmm. Now, it is not the Masters and Johnson's 1950 linear model, you know, what is it, arousal, plateau, orgasm, and revolution, a woman's sexual response is really a cycle of, of emotional connection. Rosemary Basson in the early 2000s have, have did some studies about this. For long-term relationships, a woman's sexual interest is determined by her emotional connection. I would believe that 100%. Right. So if she feels like her her sex drive has been totally cut off, we start thinking about how she can safely connect with her husband emotionally. And and sometimes it's Thanos, mm-hmm. you know, the that check-in. Um, if she doesn't quite feel safe with the Thanos yet, you can do the highs and lows of the day. But it's, it's building that friendship of emotional connection that can rekindle 
her desire to be sexual with him. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And and so, do you find in in the coupleship because you treat couples too, right? Occasionally, it's mostly women. Okay. When you work with those occasional couples, do you see him as defeated as her? You know, the ones I have worked with have, he has been defeated because his efforts haven't been acknowledged. Oh, okay. So not Um, necessarily sexually, but just in general. Mhm. 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 Um, but for the women that, from from what I hear from my clients, their husbands aren't as defeated in the sexual arena. Mhm. Mhm. They're de- they feel more defeated in how to connect emotionally, and I think that's the deficit. You know, the emotion, the the sexual addiction deficit, the emotional disorder. So that would be. A, more of a challenge for the husband. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree, and that's, you know, why I thought it was so important to get a book out there teaching empathy because mm-hmm. they may not have had it to begin with, empathy. They may not have ever had that skill, but it is, whenever I talk with women who say, he never had it, I say, well, how she fall in love with him if he didn't have empathy? And then she says, what we all know about lust and infatuation, um, that he made her feel special and good and he loved her, you know, whenever that first meeting occurred, from then on out, there was that dopamine that was present in their relationship. And so that's what they thought empathy was because it seems so interested, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That limerence, that in love feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, um, they lose that connection as their life becomes more normal. That spark mm-hmm. isn't there, that limerence, that dopamine. And yet their life gets really busy together, and so they just kind of put off dealing with it. And then whether it's five months, five years, or 25 years later, when they find out about the sexual addiction, it really keeps them disconnected. He doesn't even think he deserves to be able to talk to her. Um, mm. I mean, my experience is that most sex addicts are remorseful, and they they want more. They don't know how to give it. They want to give more, and they don't know how to give it. So, um, again, when you said that his issue may be that he doesn't feel acknowledged or appreciated, I mean, acknowledgement is the first step of empathy, acknowledging what somebody's going through or what changes they've made, or what effort they've put into something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you were going to leave our audience with a couple of tips they can use to develop more communication, more friendship, more trust, what would you say? 
I would say that they be more intentional about scheduling time together, mm -hmm. undivided attention, that they lay aside pre preconceived notions about each other, and they remember back to the days when they were dating, when acceptance and curiosity was at the forefront. Um, I asked them to think about that and apply it to today, even if it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, reconnecting in an intimate sexual way does require some um, growth. And so sometimes there are growing pains. And again, I ask them to think about that with curiosity, not, not with walls, not with um, judgment, judgment, you know, and thinking about the past, stay in the present and reconnect with, with some fun stuff. You know, I think what I see as the goal of healthy sexual intimacy is when you can engage in a lighthearted way, when you can be playful. And, and I know that when we're recovering from betrayal trauma and recovering our coupleship, it feels big and heavy. But going out, having your dates, doing fun things can overflow into the bedroom when it's time. Mm -hmm. Well, no wonder you have um, the website www.strongwives.com. Um, and that's how people can find you, right, Bonnie? Right. They can find me there. I'm also on a podcast that's not um, specifically about betrayal trauma. I am a trauma-informed hostess, but it's called Sex Chat for Christian Wives. And we have four different hostesses with uh, viewpoints all over the board, mm -hmm. and we have roundtable discussions every week, every other week. Wow. So you can find that on iTunes. Okay. And one more time, the name of that podcast is Sex Chat for Christian Wives. Wow. How long have you been doing that? Since January, or February 14th of 2017, and we have over a million downloads. Wow. How incredible. That's really <laughs> something. I mean, a million downloads. Whew. Yeah, it's huge. And also, if I could mention, yes, uh, three apps that train people, we've come together to create a new podcast that will be launched January 2022. It's called Hope for Wives, Overcoming the Impact of Sexual Betrayal. And my co-hostesses are Lachelle Burkett mm -hmm. and Pam Blizzard. Wow. And what made you decide to do that? I hope everybody keeps their eyes open for that one. Well, we, we all are from the Christian perspective, and we wanted to be able to talk about that in addition to the, you know, the app-sat model. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the impetus for that. And well, we all live here in Tennessee. Oh, well, and, you know, I was wondering, and I thought about asking you, and then I forgot, if a woman does not um, profess any specific religion or Christianity, can they come talk to you anyway? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, they just, I'd like them to know that's my foundation and that's kind of my viewpoint, but no, I treat all my clients equally. Okay. And so you're a coach. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And can they find you anywhere else 
besides your website and those podcasts? I also am on the leadership of the Sarah Society, which is a free resource for betrayed wives. It is the sister or the wife wife part of the Samson Society, which is uh, the male, you know, sex addict fellowship, Zoom free Christian okay. organization. So I'm there, and um, I'm also going to be leading a Reclaim Your Sexual Identity small group coming this coming January. And I haven't got the link up for that yet, but I'm also partnering with, with Hope Redefined. Okay. And so you and Lachelle are working on that together. Yeah. Okay. Well, I obviously admire the fact that you are working so hard on this, and, and it's so easy for two things to happen. One is that if, if, if the partner has closed the door on sex, it's so easy for other parts of the relationship to disconnect. Now, that's not putting any guilt on her, but it is saying she deserves to find that again for herself. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's, that's my main message. Sex is for you, mm-hmm. not just him. No pressure, no demand. One of my favorite books is The Gift of Sex by Cliff and Joyce Penner mm-hmm. because it's all about is a gift. It's, there's no pressure, no demands. Mm-hmm. Well, Bonnie Burns, thank you so much for coming on the show, and can't wait to hear your new podcast or podcast. And uh, you continued success with with the women you work with, and with this hard topic. Thank you, Carol, so much for having me. It's been an honor. Aww. you take care. So. Obviously, you can see that woman knows what she is talking about and has devoted her life to that, and we love that, don't we? All right. Well, as I say at the end of every podcast, there'll only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Go out there and have fun and think about your own intentional self-care. And, hey, we'll see you again next week for more Betrayal Recovery Radio from appsapps.org. Bye-bye. For more information, go to appsapps.org, the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists, to find a professional in your area who is trained to help you after sexual betrayal.